What up, though? This is your local friendly engineer, Cynthia, and welcome back to the Eastside Engineering Podcast. Um, like I always tell you, get your notes, get your pen and paper, because I got a really dope guest today and a great company that I'm shouting out this week. So strap in, get ready, take some notes. So this week in Tech in the City, I would like to shout out Black in Tech, well, Detroit Black in Tech. That was created last year in February by Mac Hendricks. That um, he started by having a photo shoot at Charles H. Rice Museum to basically bring all the black people in tech in Detroit together to create a community so they can help grow and thrive. And so far, it's been pretty amazing. I joined them recently. I started going through someone that I knew before I started coding. And I went as I went through my program. And now I have like one of the best networking groups that I can say. Well, next to Nesby, I feel like y'all up there. Like, <laughs> who knows? Next year, y'all can be having conferences. So, the, one of their events that I would recommend that everybody goes to or check out at least once or a million times is Hacking with the Homies. Um, it's a great place to meet people who are doing startups, that's working at startups, that's had like 20 years experience, three years experience, whatever. Like, I definitely had some of the most intellectual conversations <laughs> while also drinking Hennessy or eating pizza. It's a great opportunity. So um, you can check them out on Meetup or Eventbrite. It's called Detroit Black Tech. And today... We have an amazing hidden figure that I am uncovering for you today. You heard it here first on the Eastside Engineer. <laughs> this is your another local friendly engineer. I'm going to let her introduce herself. What's up, y'all? My name is Renee Hudson. Um, Cynthia's right. I have <laughs> never done a podcast. I usually like to be very low-key um, and hidden but I realized the importance of making myself visible and um, <laughs> being present in the space. Yes. And um, really just pulling out some of my accomplishments and um, hopefully inspiring my peers around me to also do the same. Yes, we need more blackity blacks out here. Mm -hmm. And so talking about the black excellence. Yes. That you are. Yes, we, we have to. Because mm -hmm. who else, if I'm not going to do it, who else going to do it? No, no one. <laughs> So tell the people a little bit about your job or like what credentials you have. Okay. So right now, I'm six months into working at StockX, which is a pretty well-known uh, startup that is right here headquartered in Detroit. Um, I do work on the engineering team. Mm. and that Black it, woman on the engineering yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we in there. But unfortunately, there's not that many of us about um, 80 people, and we're talking, I think there's nine of us, nine nine black people, seven women. Whoa, so, seven women? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I am an extreme minority in terms of that department, but StockX as a whole is, um, I think, doing a pretty good job at um, hiring the right people mm -hmm. and not discriminating or kind of doing some of those other things that can uh, prevent good people from getting access to good employment opportunities. So the engineering department could be better, but it is a reflection of just this, the talent base and the skill set locally. Mm -hmm. There's not enough of us 
that have the skills to really be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will talk a little bit about how I got there. So I am non-traditional in the tech space. I decided to learn how to code in 2016. I did a program called Experience IT, and it was through Grand Circus. Um, that, that program was actually funded by Michigan Works, and it kind of came down from like some Obama federal funding Shout for out STEM. to Obama. Shout out to Obama. They like, always be trying to bring dude. my mans down, but what you don't know is he really was out here looking out for us. When our president was black, <laughs> he allocated some funds that Look. helped me learn how to code okay. for free. So I just want to just put that out there. That's a little some little history out there right. that most people don't know. So um, I did that program. I do have to say, on record, I've never talked about this. When I did that program, they um, they had people from all of Michigan and all counties represented, mm-hmm. um, which was great. It was not just a Detroit program, mm-hmm. but they made all the Detroiters get drug tested. What? The second week of the program. Woo, Chile. <laughs> the ghetto. What? Yeah, and that was one of the first times that anything that was like... Michigan Works or like the other program? Yeah. It wow. W- it was not a Grand Circus decision. It was tied with the funding sources saying that the Detroit office Residence. of Michigan Works was requiring, in order for us to stay in the program and get the grant to cover the cost of tuition, we had to get drug tested, and nobody else did. And it created such an interesting dynamic because, you know, there's this white guy who's like, I just got high last night and, right. and this is some BS. And he's like, just <laughs> going crazy, just going crazy <laughs> because it's hitting him in the face. How things like this still happen. And his black classmates have to go get drug tested and he's frustrated. And um, some people were refusing to do it. Um, I, I was really hurt, but yeah. I still did, did it because you it, had bigger it was grinding season. Yeah. I quit my job to be in that boot camp. I didn't really have a lot of options to, make any splashes but I did promise myself that I would bring that on record wow and tell that story I'm shook experience it because I have classmates that I just recently graduated with that always talked about how he got high so it's just like but he's also Canadian so it was just like I don't know how wow yeah so I've been holding on to that for a couple years so I I completed that program I did C sharp um, it was a really good experience. We were able to, we had guaranteed interviews with eight companies at the end of that program. So it was very competitive. So you, yeah, you got to know your classmates, but at the end of the day, you were going toe-to-toe with them for mm-hmm. the jobs. And I was able to get a position at what was then Title Source and what's now Amrock, mm-hmm. which is in the family of companies for Quicken. Okay. So I didn't really know what type of role I wanted to land in. I decided to stay open-minded. Um, I think that when you do a boot camp, you should be in either one or two lanes. Like you're very specific and you know exactly where you're trying to land or be extremely open minded. Mm -hmm. No, like, oh, I don't know. If you're still in that space, like probably don't do it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I stayed open minded, meaning whatever role was thrown my way, I was going to take it. And so I did my interviews. Um, My older sister who works in tech and has been really in the game in Silicon Valley doing her thing. She's wow, shout out to her. Shout out to Vanessa. She's I'm just the best. a mini, mini <laughs> thicker version of her. The bell for Vanessa. Oh, bell for Vanessa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out to Vanessa. <laughs> I was like, wait, am I too loud? <laughs> um, she flew from California to prepare me for my interview. Mm-hmm. 
and I was able to get a full-time position as a software quality assurance engineer at Title Source, mm-hmm. now AMROC. Um, so that was very life-changing. This is another thing that's on record. I was able to double my income in 10 weeks. Wow. That part. <laughs> 10 weeks. Because the tech hustle is real. Really? That's why. It's I real. Mean, <laughs> I ain't going to lie. That's why I was making my mama laugh. And I was making okay money, y'all. <laughs> and I doubled my income. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And I'm happy to have both you and Vanessa in my life. Yes. Because God is like trying to guide me somewhere. Somewhere. Being open-minded. Yeah. So, so once I was there... I pretty much hated it after like two weeks, (laughs) but, and I say that because I really want to be honest, um, especially for any boot camp grads that are listening or let's say recent college grads, your first opportunity is really, really still a part of like your training, Mm -hmm. if you will. A lot of us are not getting the the actual knowledge that you need to be great in these roles. Right. So you're kind of like pitching yourself on potential when you're interviewing for your first, um, what did you go to school employment. for? So I went to U of M Ann Arbor, um, and I studied women's studies. Oh, wow. And I had a focus in gender and health. Wow. So you are like very... Pre-med. Pre-med? Yeah. So did you want to be like a gynecologist, or what do they call it, a midwife? Uh, yeah. I was interested in being an OBGYN or even a fertility doctor. Okay. But um, what happened to me with that is uh, I got really exposed to that world. And I just, along with my women's studies education, I was like, this biomedical approach to women's health, I fundamentally don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Now, I have an MD, and it's not that there isn't a place for Western medicine, but when it comes to women's health, I think that they're doing a lot of things wrong. Yeah. And the outcomes speak for itself in this country. It's very visible. It's very visible. And people are just like, oh, that can't be true. It is. Like, well, how is a healthy 24-year-old dying after giving birth if that's not normal? In America. Just, yeah. Number one country, just trying to figure it out. Yeah, so it's <laughs> kind of like the more that I learned, the more I was kind of like, mm I don't know, I don't know. But I've always been passionate about health and wellness and um, women's health. Mm. women in general, but that kind of brought tech on my radar in a, in a way because I was very, I always paid attention to the fact that one of the largest industry was so male-dominated, mm-hmm. just through my studies, like through college, and then my older sister was working in tech because she's six years older than me. So I'm just starting to pay attention to that. Um, my women's studies background definitely helps me to be in and thrive in the male-dominated space that I work in. Yeah. So people are like, you don't use your degree. And I'm like, no, I absolutely do. <laughs> Talking to you every day, I use it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> how, how do I survive in this environment? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for that degree. Right. So. That's um, beautiful. That's why if you can, I encourage people to study like what they really want to. Because mm-hmm. um, you can kind of make it work. Things have changed a lot in terms of education and getting employment but at the end of the day I still have my degree mm-hmm. from U of M which if you throw it around the right way you can get somewhere. it's heavy yeah <laughs> that name it's, got some weight to it it's heavy it's <laughs> heavy especially when you're talking to people who aren't black mm-hmm. to them it means even more 
They're like, oh, you went to Michigan? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and usually people don't ask me, what did I study? Mm-hmm. They don't ask me my GPA. It's, it's crazy, the amount of privilege that comes with having that degree. But I worked really hard to get it. So mm-hmm. I, I do say that I, I feel like right now I used to be more apologetic and would even hide the fact that I went to Michigan. But now I'm just like, no, nah. I was grinding in high school. Right. I was pulling all-nighters when I was 13, so I got there oh, by, been, by working there. hard. You been like you ain't new to this. No. This has been you. No. So fast forward. So uh, my sister came. <laughs> she helped me to um, get ready for my interviews. I got that job. I didn't like it, but I was like, I'm gonna, I promised my mom I would stick it out for two years, and I did. I got like some skills. I got over to the mobile team because I liked the people, but I also could recognize that of all the technologies that were at the company, being getting mobile skills was going to transfer the, like probably the easiest and mm. allow me to go to a lot of different types of com- companies in different industries because mobile is that wide. Mm. So, um, yeah, after about eight months of being on the onboarding team, I got onto the mobile team, and I kind of fell in love with mobile testing and... Um, was working on Android and iOS and web all by myself, uh, supporting anywhere from 12 to 17 developers. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, software quality assurance is what it sounds like. You're making sure that the software being developed is quality, Mm. it's high quality. Um, At the very basic level, you're making sure that what the developers just created is what the business wanted. Mm. Okay. Because those are two different people. Mm-hmm. So the business says, we want, we want the app to do this. Developers don't actually decide. If you're working for a company that has a, a IT department that's supporting the business, mm-hmm. um, especially. So the business people come and they say, we want this. And then the developers make it. Sometimes they make the right thing. Sometimes they don't. Right. You need a third party to actually do that check. It's the quality assurance. Wow. So now when I go to interviews and they ask me, what role do you normally take as the person in the team? I'm going to say quality assurance because I'm always like clicking through the program like this isn't working. This is wrong. There's not a space here. Like, Yeah. So I usually go through that's, and that's do that. Do, you're, that's doing QA work. Oh, wow. Look yes. at me. I just, hmm. So uh, you kind of touched on it a bit. So I guess I want to get a little bit more in depth with that. Who inspired you to enter STEAM? I know you talked a little bit about your sister earlier. Who inspired me? Mm. Who or what? So, growing up in Detroit, I did go to the best elementary and middle school, Bates Academy. Shout out to Bates. Bates gets a <laughs> bell. Yes. <laughs> Number one. Well, shout out. Yeah, shout out to Bates because Phil Lewis, who told me to start a podcast. Yes. And then Audio Wave had a competition. Like, two weeks later... Well, really, like a week later after I saw him. So, you know, maybe if he never went to Bates, he probably would have never grown to be who he is today. He would have never told me to start a podcast. Yes. And so, I knew Phil in seventh grade. Wow. Shout out to Phil. Shout out to Phil. Every episode I put shout out to <laughs> Phil. Like, <laughs> yeah. So um, I went to Bates and I did academic games. Mm. And that was. Oh, you did academic games? Yes. See, that's I'll what I'm. Right see. <laughs> no, no. It's not going to happen. I was good at all the games. 
All right. So I um, mean, let's get the whiteboard out if y'all want to go for it. <laughs> um, I had a teacher. So the teacher who did academic games um, at Bates, his name is Mr. Holstein. Somehow this man is still teaching math and academic games at Bates right now. He's in his 70s. He has been teaching at Bates for a long, long time. He sounds like an amazing teacher if he's still doing yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. And he um, was who got me engaged with math and then connecting that over to STEM. He had us mm. studying for the SAT in seventh grade, just getting us together mm. in a way that was so needed and really prepped us for high school and college. So it's, it's got to be Mr. Holstein. Uh, my sister also had him as a teacher. Mm-hmm. She also did academic games. Okay. Um, What's so the academic games? I've never heard of this. Whoa. This sounds, this sounds fun. It's kind of like... Maybe we had a different name for it, but I don't know. I remember it's like a game called Equation. Equation. Like Equation. You shake the dice and you kind of. It no, teaches. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sitting here with the blank face. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of people know about it, but the I same know about time. the minute math. Like, I used to kill in minute math, and we had like multiplication bees. It was kind of like spelling bees, but you have to do mul- you have to do multiplication. Okay. But so I did stuff like that, but okay, I don't know. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was it was very intense. Um, I think it. I started from I did it from fifth to eighth grade. And um, you learn math. There's two math games. There's a logic game called Wolf and Proof. Did you play Wolf and Proof? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, see, we did all seven games. So we oh, did equations, onsets, Wolf and Proof, linguistics, propaganda, presidents, and world card. And through that those, sounds these seven amazing. games, you really learn the foundations of pretty much all your core subjects. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It's like they went the extra mile for y'all. I appreciate them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I've been nerding out from day one. I'm a big nerd. My parents are nerds. Right. So this is some uber nerdy stuff right here. But I know someone listening to this it's podcast like going up right now. is like, oh, yeah, <laughs> academic games. Is, that, that's my thing. Um, and it's still going on. And it, the, the number one thing that academic games did for me is it gave me the opportunity to leave the city, go to Ann Arbor, play against these white and Asian kids and beat them. Oh, wow. From when I was 10. I wonder if I can be a volunteer. Yeah, they have academic games at um, the middle school level and high school level. I'm going to yeah. see it. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. I have I have a bit of free time coming up, so yeah, I uh, can do that. It's great. Um, and I think that was, my sister and I talk about this all the time, how that experience of leaving the city and going to compete with people who didn't look like us, mm-hmm. who um, were always so shocked at how smart we were yeah because we were black kids from detroit yeah that trope and it was it was just very empowering Mm -hmm. and then um we competed at the local level the state level and the national level but that's just the Bates thing that's not me i was just a part of that great programming i mean but you made it to be a part of it you could have like not been a part of it yeah that's true that's weird i mean Bates is putting out some quality students yeah and and that's been happening since the 80s and my parents were a part of the like core parent group that moved Bates from the east side to the west side. Mm-hmm. And they changed the name, and they were really a part of making the school what it was. Because basically at that time, there was a lot of like black professionals in the city that were like, we don't have a place to send our kids, mm-hmm. so we're going to like basically make our own school. <laughs> and they did some things. They had some friends on the school board, and they did some things. Wow, that so they took it from the east side? Yeah, they took it from the east wow. side. Bates used to be on the east side, and they moved it to the west side. 
I'm very disappointed in them for being a part of that. Yeah, and then it's moved from the location where I went there to um, now it's at 8 Mile in Wyoming. Mm, yep. It's getting closer and closer to the edge. Yeah, so Bates really helped me, I don't know, just kind of realize that I'm, I mean, math and science have always just been like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And that directly le- led into um, me taking the advanced math classes in high school. I went to Mercy High School. So I left Detroit, my all-black setting, mm-hmm. and I went to a white all-girls school in the suburbs. That sounds scary. But I had a great time, and I loved it. <laughs> Good. Because um, that happened to me in college, and I was, like, miserable. But there's something about being in an all-girls environment that's, that's like, yes, it was white, but there, it was safe because it was all girls. Maybe college is a different level of girls. Because yeah, yeah. the girls are the ones that scared me the most. <laughs> when I went to college, I was like, what? You, you do what? You, so you don't do what? Like, <laughs> it was a lot. Like, people used to think that I was weird. When I first went to Western in 2011, they thought that I was weird because I used washcloths. They was like, what do you use that for? And I'm like, to wash my body and it was like why don't you just use like the little shower scrubber i'm like so how do you clean (laughs) how do you well this is like (laughs) a this is a big (laughs) historical debate like the loofah versus the washcloth but there's a certain part so loofah can't oh i know as a woman i'm just concerned i know and i would be like wow this is okay yeah yeah but i'm like okay i had a good experience going to an all-girls school my mom my mom's side of the family is Catholic, mm-hmm. and um, she went to an all-girls school all the way from when she was younger through college. Mm-hmm. She went to Mercy for nursing school, and then my aunts went to all-girls school. My sister did, so it was kind of like a family tradition thing. I didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. I could just have a choice on what school I went to, but I wholeheartedly believe that it's this mix of my education from like being in the Detroit public school to going to a private school, an all-girls school. Um, and just seeing the contrast and having to navigate those very different spaces Mm -hmm. from when I was so young, Mm -hmm. that just really, like, is the core of some of my strengths. That's where it comes from, that that diversity in my educational background. You have a very, like, calming personality. I don't know, for me, when I talk to you, it's like you're very sure of what you're doing or what you're talking about, and that's very calming to have that in a another black woman that go to you and be like, even though you can't, there's a lot of black women like that, but it's also wonderful when you have a personal relationship with them and you can be like, I'm feeling this way about something. And you're like, you're going to get it. It's going to work. Like, don't worry about it. And it's like, I believe her. She knows what she's talking about. Yeah. And it's not like questioning. Like, you know, some people up talk you like, maybe it work. I don't know. You can try this, but you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know how people hit you with that at the end of their advice. Like, I yeah. don't know. That's just me. You don't have to listen to me. Right. Oh, yeah. That, that's the worst. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. It's like, I don't know. Don't do what I say. Like, okay. Yeah. No, I think uh, I speak that way um, intentionally to people um, because I'm going through my own personal journey on the topic of confidence. And I know how... M- we struggle with that, like, as black people and then also as women. Mm-hmm. But I do borrow some tips from my white male counterparts <laughs> who are so confident. I mean, 
anything they do. Yeah. The confidence is just <laughs> there. It's really impressive. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Not no shade to that, but I'm just like is it, it I wish that's new to my I world. I wish I could bottle that and sell it. That is a business worth having like. So, I think um that's why I'm like that. That's beautiful. I love that. Um so I know you have a very strong sense of community and you always talk about this even when you talk about like businesses that you want to start. Like what makes you want to bring stem to the community like why is it important for you um it's important to me because i do closely watch like economic and and the implications of it in life Mm -hmm. and um to me a lot there's a strong tie between economics and racism and it's just right now didn't know this was going to happen um but the way that technology is swooping in and taking away all these jobs Mm -hmm. It's just like to I feel a sense of urgency. I feel like there's a fire underneath my butt to really be vocal about the fact that these skills are the skills that you need to have mm-hmm. to continue to have that like reliable, stable employment that a lot of us have always kind of, you know, planned our life to have that typically in the beginning, even mm-hmm. if you do aspire to be an entrepreneur or do other things. You know, just to get your your start or to mm-hmm. have something to do. Not everybody aspires to do that, but, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get a job. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But now, what's that job going to be? If you don't have technical skills, Right. I'm scared. I'm scared for you. But also, I know that we are so underrepresented in this field that something is a storm brewing. And I, I, was, um, I follow um, Dr. Boyce Watkins, do you know him? I'm gonna disagree with you because I don't know. You're uh, teaching me something right now. Okay, he's <laughs> he used to teach um, finance at Purdue, left at academia, and he does his own like <laughs> black business school, black financial like learning, and he talks about kind of like current events with finances, like mm-hmm. any if any celebrity has like a financial scandal, he'll kind of go into it. Um, and he just had a. Um, a live, a Facebook live uh, show about. Oh, so he's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's on all social media platforms. He had a Facebook live um, little show about how jobs being automated away is really going to like seal in this prediction that the average media, well, the median um, household income for black people is going to be zero in 2050. Yeah, I've heard that. And, like, it's not budging. And the reason why is because, yes, we're making gains, but the way that even some of the jobs that people are succeeding in now, how they're going to change over the next Mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40 years, and some of them will disappear, and we're not really shifting fast enough to get into the fields and the, the jobs that are emerging. Okay. So hope is not all lost. So I kind of see um, tech is not just like the future. It's just like, I'm going to say the path to the promised land, but it's it's a shift that many people need to start making. It's definitely if like possible. a, it's definitely like a, I want to say like a cornerstone to building a very strong foundation. Yes. Yeah. It is. And it's not 
as intimidating as it sounds, not everyone has to learn how to code and be a software developer to work in tech. Right. I work for a tech company. We have a finance department. We have a content team. Mm-hmm. We have social they still media need marketing. People that have like very good soft skills. Yes, and <laughs> everyone needs to have soft skills. Everybody needs soft skills. But at the end of the day, they're still in tech mm-hmm. with these different skills. Yeah. So, um, that's there. When I say that, I just want to make sure that it's perfectly clear that not everyone has to learn how to code. Not everyone needs to be a software developer. So but you do need problem-solving skills. One thing I want to know about you is what's like your STEM or STEAM goals? I always flip back and forth between STEM and STEAM, but what are your STEAM goals for? I usually give people the option, but you can do um, two or three. So I said um, the next three years, five years, or ten years, and or ten years. Mm. Okay, wait. So I'm doing two goals. You can pick. Two you or can three. do, and then. Over the next three? Yeah, so you can pick two or you can do all three, but the increments is three years, the next five years, and by the next 10 years, what are the goals you want to be meeting? Okay, so in three years, I want to be a senior software quality assurance engineer. Um, And I want to be in, the second one would be, I want to have a community involvement with designing a pipeline program. And it could be from high school to college pipeline, like getting more high school students to be aware of the different STEM majors that they could be choosing from and exploring. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the conversation about going to college is just so thick that we don't talk enough about what majors to go into Mm -hmm. at the high school level. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, for me, since I went to such a technical high school that it was like, going to flight science or engineering and I just knew from a young age I wanted to be an engineer or something like an engineer um so yeah and a lot of people I used to think it was so weird that a lot of people was like yeah I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was like in my third year of college and I was like whoa yeah what is a guidance counselor doing <laughs> hey I mean that works for some people but again for us mm-hmm. hmm, that's really not gonna work and that guidance is sometimes, like, it's just so critical and makes a big, big difference when you're exposed to your options. Yeah. And then you're given the freedom and the someone's pouring confidence into you to, you know, make the decision. That's the, it, the ministry of this podcast. Like, that was my brainchild, I guess, in a way. Because I see so many people now that I'm already into what I wanted to do as a kid. Now I see more opportunities because I'm like, wait. I can do way more than just be working at GM. I can do way more than mm-hmm. just doing the same traditional things that engineers do. Like, it's a lot more to this. And now that I'm seeing people like me doing it, I'm like, wow, I can't imagine where I would be today if I saw this person at five. If I saw this person at, you know, 15, like what? Like, because my idol growing up in the city was Mae Jemison. Like, somebody so far and distance away from me. And as I got older, I'm realizing, like, I've been surrounded by engineers. Like, they may not have been in my family, but there's people, everyday people that Mm -hmm. is engineers that I never even knew. And that's something that really just sparked my idea with this because I'm, like, using another piece, another item of tech that is consumed a lot to show people what they can do, like... 
a lot of people who went into women's studies don't think they can probably end up in tech. And look, you, you're doing it right now. You're yeah. a prime example. And if you see Renee, you'll be like, hey, there's no way she's an engineer. Like, yeah, engineers are fine, too. <laughs> 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 they're fine. They're funny. You know, they like things you like. You know, pretty girls like anime. It's a thing. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely on my nerd glow up. So yes. I'm telling you, like, it's real. The nerd life. <laughs> Nobody thought I was cute for a long time. They was hating. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> She's like, I'm fine with it. It was fine the whole time. <laughs> it really was. Um, so that was my three-year goal. And what was the next increment? Um, you can do five or ten. Um, let's say in five years. Mm, let's say I in five years I would, I w- I would like to have. Um. Where did you do your five-year goal? I thought it was being a part of something. I thought three was being a senior developer. Five was being a part of... No, that was still three. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was two for three. Um, I would say, no, five years I want to have some really high-quality online content where I'm able to teach the basics of QA skills, if you will. So kind of go into, like, the master class. I don't, I don't want to be too cheesy with it, but, like, start making content mm-hmm. um, where I can direct people, like, hey, like, you should think about going into QA. And then I have, like, some courses so you mm-hmm. can learn the basics of it. And so see that if you, you can like actually, it. Yeah. To see if you, but also to, like, prepare you for an entry-level QA role. Because um, I didn't learn any QA stuff formally, even at my boot camp. Mm-hmm. You can't go to school for it. But it's a really good field. So people are always like, how do I go into it? And I'm like, honestly, it's really my math and science skills that give me the ability to be a good QA. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot that I learned on the job that I could make a course for and um, people could use it as a resource. So that's probably my five-year goal. And then 10 years, in 10 years, I'm going to be out of tech (laughs) <laughs> hit that bell hit that bell hit my bell put me out here this is crazy but I'm gonna speak it into existence I love that you're the second guest that said um, in 10 years they wanna like not be doing what they're doing today oh yeah <laughs> I yeah. love it millennial because, life because I wanna go back to my original passion mm. which is women's health so I I know that I want I know that I'm supposed to do something related to health and wellness, women's health. And um, I'm still kind of coming up with what that exactly is. But um, I'll just I'll just say it. So my fiancé is Ghanaian, mm-hmm. and he's moving to America, but we totally plan on living a dual life between um, the U.S. and Ghana. Mm-hmm. And I want to go to Ghana and learn some of the traditional herbal medicine. Yes. And start offering a natural like treatment for infertility mm-hmm. for women. That's huge. It's a huge goal. That's huge. But that's what I wouldn't be doing in ten years. Yeah, we might have to. That's a <laughs> look. That's big because, because you know they make so much money yes. off of infertility. It is a huge, huge industry. And huge. the thing is, is like it's so expensive. Still, it's not really accessible, and then it's not natural. So, you know, I I was talking to Joseph um, about, I was like, do you know anybody who doesn't have any kids or has issues with infertility? He's like, I know one guy who has one kid. And I'm like, <laughs> so the answer is no. 
I know one guy that Literally has one kid. Every person you have ever met <laughs> has children. That's how many kids are in Africa. Wow. Or West Africa, Ghana. So um, there are some places in Africa where the women are experiencing issues with infertility mm-hmm. due to the changes in their environment, whether it be factories setting up shop or whatever. Um, but there's definitely a strong foundation and precedent for like herbal medicine working there on this topic. So I def- I'm, I'm just working my way back to that. You guys heard it here first in the Eastside Engineer yes. podcast. So <laughs> this is a lot. Of, this is a lot. happens, Let's look, see. I'm going to play this on whatever social media platform we have at that time. Hopefully it's one that I created. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, back when, when she said this. Back in the day. <laughs> I'm the one that brought it to the people, brought it to the masses. Yes. So, so yeah. in the meantime, I Keep totally. Here's to the street for Renee. I totally <laughs> plan on using the the tech scene as mm-hmm. it's it's a hustle for me, um it's a way to get my found my financial situation together so that I can experience that financial freedom to do what I really want to do mm-hmm. and I don't I don't see anything wrong with that I think no. that that's fine and if anybody is feeling like you know I kind of want to do it but I'm not that passionate about it that's okay you can do this and not be that passionate about it right. I know it's like taboo to say that but i mean it's, it's I, I like it i like <laughs> it but the the at the end of the day there are other things that i want to do that's real that's wow i'm speechless because you just <laughs> dropped so many gems and brought up stuff that really matters to the world and as a black woman, it really matters because infertility is something, even though I'm a person that's not really interested in children, but it's just like something that does cross my mind. Like, what if I do decide I can't have one? And I find out like when it's too late, they're like, oh, it's too late for you. Oh, well, like, or you can pay me $10,000 a shot. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. So that's something that I've just recently um, came to, like. I believe in manifestation and all those things. So yes, you put it on the internet, so you can go back and listen to it. Yeah, but I've it makes sense. It makes sense if you really know me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my passions when I was like that bright eyed fourteen, fifteen year old, and looking at all the things to do. That's mm-hmm. what I've always wanted to do. So I know that I have to get back to it. Talk but about getting back to it. So you talked about your fourteen year old self. What advice would you give her? Knowing what you know today, what would you tell her? I would tell her to wear her hair natural. Okay. (laughs) Yes. That part. I would. And I would tell her that everybody is not skinny. No. That's not not everybody's body type. Look, as a 26-year-old black woman, I struggle with that. And I'm like, it's weird to feel like I want to be skinny like I've literally come out of my mouth and said I want to have surgery to make myself experience what it feels like to be skinny because I'm nowhere near and never had well I probably was skinny when I was like a newborn but who counts that yeah (laughs) I'm with you like that's not my body type at all and my older sister is um slim Mm -hmm. so and then the environment I was um with going to school in Farmington Hills I just, I always stuck out with my body type, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't really until I left the U.S. Mm-hmm. and went to black countries 
and saw more of a range. Right. Where I started to kind of <laughs> see, like, oh, like, we come in all different sizes. And it's okay. And it's fine. It's not like, oh, my God, what's yeah. wrong with her? But it took many, many years to really learn that. So that's what I would talk to my 14-year-old self about. And, yeah, that, that's what I've done. Because I struggle with both of those things unnecessarily. Yes. For many years. And it's like, what's weird is it, it doesn't come from home. Because I never got that from home. No. My mom would always tell me, like, you're beautiful. Yeah. And I, I was love like, you. it's because you're my mom. Right. <laughs> like, you made me. What else are you going to say? <laughs> you're going to say your child's ugly? But that's, I like that advice. That is a great advice to give yourself. I want to know, how did you handle stress? Oh, well, you talked about school, but also in the male-dominated world. <laughs> <laughs> picks up a bottle of liquor. <laughs> How did you handle stress in any, I would say, in professional or in, like, school settings, academic settings? So stress management has been the field, the part of my life where I've grown the most. I really, really struggled with managing my stress. Mm -hmm. Out of all the things that they told me when I was younger and as a young adult, it was not on my radar enough, like, stress affects your body physically, mm -hmm. um, and it's something that you want to manage. So I had uncontrolled stress for many, many years, and I was under a lot of stress just due to my extracurriculars and all these things I was so intense mm -hmm. in, probably from, like, age 10. So by the time I got to junior year of college, I burned out. Mm -hmm. Yes, it happened to me. <sighs> I burned out. I completely checked out. I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it gets crazy. It was my senior year. I only had 16 credits left to graduate. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling my mom in the car, like, I, I need to take a break. And everybody's just like, can't you just finish? Can't you? I'm like, no. <laughs> can't do it. I can't do it. And, and so for me, I, oops, I, did something. I actually experienced burned out, being burned out. And I know what it feels like. So after that, it took me almost four years to recover mm. from taking a year off. I lost my scholarship. I had to become a CNA, work full time at night, pay mm. my last semester tuition. That's that Detroit hustle. In yes. Me. <laughs> People like try to play me and be like, you're spoiled. And I'm like, you don't know my life <laughs> you don't at know all. My struggle. No, I'm still from Detroit. Right. So. I know. I, don't I did think about doing that one summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I had to do it. I lost my scholarship, and I only—I was so determined though because I only had 16 credits left. Mm. And I'm like, who doesn't finish college when they only have 16 credits left? A lot of people. Well, I know I, a lady that got. She did IT back in the 80s, and she said she got seven credits left. Whoa! Never finished. Okay. Well, for that me, that was for me. That was. I want to say six years ago. Yeah, because I was like 2021 when she told me that. And at that time, it had been 20 years. Wow. Yeah. People, right. a lot of people do it. Yeah, because yeah, life comes in the way. But I was determined. I didn't really have an option. My family was really looking at me sideways because school was so emphasized in my family that mm -hmm. not finishing college was not an option. But I had to figure out how to pay for the last semester. So I did that. And when by the time I was done with that, I was I was in a weird space. I'm not gonna hold you up. Um, I had to work in some pretty crazy work environments mm -hmm. to make enough money to really make it all happen. 
I worked at a place, a traumatic brain injury rehab center. Oh wow, that was really crazy. Yeah, and I had like when when the when the patients ran away, we had to go chase them down. <laughs> it was kind of like working in a nursing home and a jail at the same time. So wow. it was wild. Yeah, but um, I, it sounds I'm, really sad, but it sounds like great television. Yeah, it's I got some stories. <laughs> I got some stories. Better pitch them. <laughs> <laughs> but I did all that, and I was able to pull myself out slowly. Mm. Some other things that I did was um, I started. I okay, so I made a decision to take a job that didn't pay well but gave back. Mm-hmm. And that also helped with my stress management in a way mm-hmm. because it it took the focus off of me in a way that ultimately was good for my mental health. It was like health. healing in a way. Mm-hmm. Just to immerse yourself and help other people and do something that gives you some positive feedback, some endorphins, something yeah. that you know you're actually making a difference. Like sometimes if you're feeling stressed, like maybe volunteer mm-hmm. or do something like that. It can It can sometimes help. With your stress management. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Whenever so. I felt like really stressed in school, helping out with SEEK or helping out with any type of like um, program dealing with kids that want to be in those type of fields was very soothing and healing for me because it was like I'm pouring into someone that I see myself in and it's like pouring into me at the same time. Right. It was a good, yeah, that's some good advice. So I became a college advisor. I moved to Flint. Wow. I know. <laughs> I was there in the water crisis. Oh god. It was crazy. And Flint was Flint was exactly what you what you might think it is. Mm. I feel like as you know, when I talk to Detroiters, I'm like, but this they're like <laughs> they got that perspective. It's, it's similar, but it's different. Yeah. Flint is different. And um during the water crisis, I never I never felt what it felt like to have water scarcity, but I actually experienced that. I was only there for one year and I came home. Um and when I came home, I moved in with my parents completely reset and that's when I um saved up some money to um do the boot camp. Okay. So that's kind of like my journey mm-hmm. with my career. And through that I was very stressed out. Yeah. So what I what really connected with me was when I started paying attention, using the knowledge that I learned in college doing gender and health and really identifying like what parts of my health where I was lacking or needed to improve Mm -hmm. and just focusing on it. Like when I'm on social media, that's all I'm reading. That's all I'm like listening to. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to figure this out. I'm I'm actively trying to tackle that issue. Yeah. Um, And so if you just do that and don't let up, some things will start connecting. So um, I started getting into yoga. Yoga is one of my main things that I do for stress management. I drink tea, um, essential oils. Yes. Um, I just went to a natural and holistic expo with my sister and Nikki, who's also in DBT, um, in Ann Arbor oh, wow. uh, yesterday. And we were learning about CBD. So I'm going to start trying CBD, mm. just oil, put it under your tongue. I was trying to get my mom into that. Mm-hmm. She's a nurse, so she's kind of like skeptical of it right but and please encourage her to yeah. do the research because it's plant derived yeah medical professionals use it mm-hmm. and it's legal so why not try it i think now that it's legal she's a little bit more open to mm-hmm. it but before she was like i don't know uh i have this i'm like but mom you're not gonna be high it's just right it's helping you feel better yes <laughs> like so you won't be in pain every day right it's good for pain management it's good for um anxiety 
you can just look it up, CBD and whatever you're suffering with and see the research online. So just really paying attention to the natural, holistic health things, trying them out, giving it time. Mm. It does take more time. It takes longer for natural remedies to work. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, once you kind of make the mental shift of believing in them and wholeheartedly diving into them, like, it's not necessarily, like, kooky or experimental. For me, it's the way I interpret that are like, well, the way that you're validating me right now is um, when natural things do take time because it took time for us to be programmed the way we are now to think that the quick stuff is, oh, take the Advil's, you know, take this pill to heal this or do this. That's like quick, give you 30 minute reactions or whatever. Like to me, it's the way that I help manage stress now is learning how to deal with things in real time. And not push them off. Mm -hmm. Like, I used to be a huge suppressor. Like, I would suppress every emotion I didn't like until it was, like, up to my eyeballs and I couldn't hold it anymore. And it was like, she's the incredible hawk now. Like, everything's going wrong. I don't know what's right. Everything's upside down. So, like, for me, learning how to use my voice in productive ways and being okay with crying, like... I cry every day now, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just crying, you know. Just had a good cry, like let it out, and just be honest with myself and learn how to be more expressive because even though I didn't get that at home, but in the outside world, I started to realize that how much they told us to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Like don't talk or don't say that or don't do this or don't act this way. And now I'm just like outwardly expressive in those ways and it's either you love me or you don't and I'm okay with that if you don't love me you know hey I mean it says more about you than it says about me at the end of the day I'm still gonna be happy I'm not gonna be that girl that suppressed all her emotions until I explode so like sorry I don't do it to intentional to be harmful like that's not ever a goal of mine like if I see that my expressiveness or my openness or willing to talk about things that are painful or whatever is hurting somebody I will be like okay look I'm not here to harm I'm just talking and I'm sorry this is a touchy subject for you I'll mm-hmm. stop but if it's just like somebody who's want to be I guess prudish or like what do I call them respectability police I'm just like I don't care about how you feel you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable otherwise you will go insane when you realize everything that you tried to be respectable for was a lie. So that's, like, one thing I'm learning, still continuing to learn, but have helped me in the long run with my stress. And also stop telling myself that I'm stressed. Like, that inside voice of, like, what you say to yourself is, ooh, she's a beast. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I always ask myself, and, like, and I get to talking about myself to myself, and that sounds very... Like, I might get locked up or something for that. But, like, you know, you have that inside voice. Yeah. And when, like, I would say certain things about myself or my accomplishments, I'm like, would you ever say that to your best friend? Like, would you say that to your mom? Like, would you say what you just said about yourself in front of somebody else? Like, would you be comfortable with doing that? And I'll be like, yeah, that is kind of messed up. Like, I would never say that to nobody Oh, yeah, else. absolutely. You have to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Be kind. <laughs> be kind to yourself. You see, I'm emotional. I'm about to cry just talking yeah. about it. Yeah. 
<laughs> you have to be kind. That's that's a concept that I learned through yoga. Mm-hmm. And I think when you meditate, that's the time and the space for you to really confront those inside voices. Mm-hmm. And um, if you haven't dabbled into meditation at all, there's different kinds. Also, it's not kooky. No. It's very effective. And I'm telling you, successful people are waking up in the morning. They're stretching their bodies. They're drinking water. Mm-hmm. And they're meditating. And they're, they? they're getting their day started with some quiet time. They're not looking at their phone. They're not necessarily hitting the snooze button over and over. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to the point where you're, you're I, I'm really big on morning routines mm-hmm. and like not necessarily say that it should be stuck. Like you do this every time, but like just paying attention to how you feel when you wake up in the morning. Do you, do you like, jump out of bed, like excited for the day? Mm-hmm. Are you like constantly snoozing? Are you feeling stu- even stuffy when you wake up? Or how's your body feeling, like checking in? I always um, drink water to wake my body up in the morning. And I, um, I'm i not meditating in the morning yet, but I know that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm talking to myself as well. Like <laughs> meditating is, it's a thing. And it's an ancient practice that just... I don't know. It it we use the word meditation, but if you like study other cultures and look around the world, like there's just just being present and having some quiet time mm-hmm. is it's it, it's a thing that exists Everywhere. in different cultures in different ways. They might not call it meditation, um, and then for some people that is praying, mm-hmm. or you know maybe for you that's one and the same mm-hmm. too. But um, is this on? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just just having some quiet time to center your brain. Um, there's a lot of neurological things that happen when you meditate. Mm-hmm. And I, sh- I highly suggest it. But, yeah, just being open to natural remedies, things. And I like meditation doesn't have to be it. quiet either. No, it can be guided. Yeah. Yep. And there's another practice that I do. So um, you can be inside or outside but just like being mindful Mm -hmm. and really paying attention to your senses sometimes if you're feeling stressed it can give your your brain a break from thinking about like all those anxious thoughts yes um if you just like think about like how how's my feet feeling how does my body feel in this chair body scan what does the carpet look like what color is it yeah how light like what do these lights look like oh there's a speck up there like it sounds silly but the next time you're really stressed out try it do it for about two or three minutes it helps it'll definitely bring you back down to a normal state because when you're stressed so much you don't realize how intense your body is. Like, you're basically walking around as a sick person and you don't know it. Mm -hmm. And you think it's, like, okay, until you're not stressed and then you're like, whoa, what is this feeling? Yeah. Like, for me, when I'm calm, it's weird. I feel like I'm falling in love, like, when I'm calm and when I'm relaxed. And it's so weird. I always say that, like, I feel like I'm falling in love, but I don't have anybody... It's like falling in love with me or like I'm at peace right now. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. So that's real hippy dippy, but (laughs) that's how I feel about stress. And it's important when you're in like any type of field, but I feel like in STEM fields and being a minority in these fields, it's important to keep, you know, stress management as a priority in your life. Absolutely. Because what's the point of going and trying to reach for all these goals if 
when you get there, you're a beat up bag of chips. Right. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm like 30, but you look like 105. Like yeah. your body is like 105. And also people can detect your stress. Mm-hmm. And if you're interviewing for a role or, you know, trying to... Your vibes. Get yourself promoted or whatever. Like you don't want to be the stressed out person. That's even if you're purple. But if you're black, <laughs> you really... Like, don't nobody want to be around you. <laughs> you already know what's going on. <laughs> so strive to be zen, you know, calm, at peace, however you want to describe it. But um, this topic is very, very um, important for me to get under my belt. It's a journey, so I haven't figured out everything. But I've seen changes in my social life, my financial mm-hmm. um, situation, just being calm and having my stress actually under control. Um, it's it's very important. I feel like we're still no like growing in our relationship, and I feel like it's working. Whatever you're doing is keep doing it. Oh, thanks. You're doing amazing, Fleety. <laughs> Thank you. I recently did just get really booed up because <laughs> I just got engaged three three weeks ago. Congratulations. Yes. Shout what? out. Shout out to the fiance. <laughs> he is also a big part of why my stress has lowered. He's a very calm person. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up in Ghana, he's been on the beach. Like his all his free time is like on the beach. The takeaway from so this he's just a calm person. <laughs> look, the takeaway from this is not that a man brought her peace. It's just that he was calm. He was the calming part. So it's like adding to what you were already doing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like I that's my takeaway. Like nobody that's coming in your life should bring you extra stress. No. Chop them off. No. <laughs> Ladies, no. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible for men. I wish that you could. Um, it is? Yeah. I like to think so. It's possible to meet a woman that does not add stress to your life, right? You said it's not possible? No. Oh, I don't date women, so I just wanted him <laughs> to just confirm that. I think it's possible to find a man who um, does not stress you out. I'm going to just take y'all word for it. There's some men, <laughs> there's some men I know that would be like, no, nah, that's impossible. It's impossible to meet a woman. That's probably because <laughs> he's the stressful one. Right? You're the problematic one. <laughs> Making everybody crazy. But he's like, nah, she crazy. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So I want to know, what was some of your favorite projects you ever like worked on? You have, you have multiple projects. facets to you. Yeah. Um favorite project there's probably one recently where um because i'm gonna i'm gonna get back to talking more about like tech and the qa work so um at StuckX, we're quickly we're an international company at this point so we have warehouses in arizona and new jersey and the uk and we're expanding into japan as well we have um mobile mobile and web customers all over the world and so we are an international company now. Mm. So we had a request from the business to do a few things to cater to our growing international presence. So one of the things we had to do was um, our pricing, which is just a back-end service mm-hmm. um, that the APIs are using. It's, it has a simple design, so it's kind of easy to understand. But That's like super dope that I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, so the price, <laughs> <laughs> when you're using StockX.com, when you put in an item and you can see the amount, 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff in the back that's calculating your price, right. the pricing service. So um, they wanted to change it to adjust the DDP, which is the duties and taxes that are charged for each country where applicable. And it was a slow rollout, but basically I had to come up, I had to design how I was going to test this, um, making sure that I didn't miss any scenario. Um, so they wanted to adjust the duties and taxes for 12 countries. Mm-hmm. And they were expecting me to sign off on this change. Meaning, I'm saying, hey, the developers did this right. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to something like pricing, that's a high, high priority business item. If pricing is wrong on StockX.com, mm-hmm. that will completely damage our reputation. Right. And as an e-commerce platform, you may or may not recover from something right. like that. If you're charging... Wrong. Thousands of people, <laughs> like the wrong <laughs> amounts of money. Come on. And you know, like, people go hard on Twitter. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> StockX customers go extra hard. Right. I've gotten roasted on Twitter. <laughs> like, not by name, but right. like StockX, like, who QA'd this? Oh, wow. I was like, I'm, I feel <laughs> triggered right now. It was me. It was me. Man. tweet, like, who said what? Yeah. <laughs> what but was yeah, so our mistakes are definitely caught by customers and people are bold out here online so um yeah so i was responsible for signing off on um this pricing change and just coming up with the design i had a big excel sheet and thinking about all the i had to go back to understand our pricing services how it looks the current state so i could understand how to check for the desired future state Mm -hmm. and the thing about working for a startup company is we don't have documentation we don't have sometimes True. even the same people working there who built it. Right. People come and go and all this stuff. So I had to go all the way back and talk to about 10 people just to understand what the current pricing and how it worked. How did it calculate all those fees? Mm-hmm. Um, because on the UI side, all the customer sees is a processing fee. It's yeah. just it's all rolled into one. But there's a there's a lot of different factors in there. So I had to um, do that research, figure out how the pricing worked. And then come up with how I was going to test the different countries. And I was doing this and and I had maybe like five days to figure it out. What? And I was working on five other like projects at the same time. Shout out to black women. (laughs) When you want a job done. (laughs) Let me tell you. I don't know. You deserve a raise. (laughs) But no, it was, and it's good to challenge yourself and to not, I could, I could have in that situation been like, this is too much work, but I decided to just dig in a little bit. I was probably working like 80 hours, both of those weeks. And I was juggling a lot, but at the end of the day, I was kind of new to the team and I wanted to prove myself. Like Mm. when, um, when that kind of feeling creeps in where it's like, people are kind of looking at you like, what are you going to do? I never shy away from that. I feel like sometimes people react to it like, I ain't got nothing to prove to you. Right. But I tend to not take that r- approach. Mm-hmm. And I tend to like accept the challenge and then just like ball out on it and like do really <laughs> well. Because then you can nip that in the bud. So right. after I was able to juggle all those other projects and then figure out the pricing change for the duties and taxes, it's like my team leader has never been on my back. I'm trusted to do big projects. Like right. it was, it was a good strategy to have. And you know, that's just like when you get into your field and you kind of know what to do and you start making calls. Wow. So 
it's a black woman that's in your city when you go to StockX and buy them shoes. Mm-hmm. She's the reason why you can go ahead and tap, tap, tap and get your shoes. Yeah. She's the reason why those buttons work properly. <laughs> it is a team effort. <laughs> But, but I'm um, giving you the credit today. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Q- when you are QA, if you think about like software being developed, like think of uh, any production or assembly line, like we're the last step mm-hmm. essentially before it gets out into the public. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, that's that is the true. important part, honestly. Just going through the projects that I had to be a part of, and you do all this. I'm not taken away from the developers but it's like you do a lot to put it together but it the, all the user care about is if it looks good and if it's working work. properly they yeah. don't care that you had this very fancy method or they don't care if you used one line of clo- code to do 12 different things nobody cares about that what they care about is if it looks good and if it works yes and so the, like and the business cares yeah <laughs> the business cares about does it work Right. The reason why I'm on a team of five people and we all make pretty good salaries is because it is detrimental for a software company to have broken software. That could potentially cause you to lose hundreds, thousands, millions of dollars. Yes. So it's worth it to invest in a QA team or QA people. And that's why the role exists, because it's good business sense. When you have, um, when you're developing software, it is worth it to pay that person. Sometimes we get treated like the redheaded s- stepsister, like <laughs> by developers, yeah. because they're just like, maybe they don't consider us to be as technical. But then there's this relationship there when you like catch something of theirs mm-hmm. and saves everybody right. from some real trouble. That's then they'll be like, oh, we're so glad you, we have QA. Right. So, I, yeah. yeah, go back and forth with working with developers. And, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's it's kind of never a dull moment. I'm I'm happy that I stumbled into doing the work. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, um, like I said, my, in my three-year goal, I can get involved with, you know, doing some type of pipeline or exposing more people to the role um, of QA. Well, you definitely got one person interested, so... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm definitely going to use that in my interviews when I get them. Yes. Um, One last question, and it's something fun. Yay. What was some of your fun, like favorite studying snacks? Studying snacks? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I always... I'm so clumsy. <laughs> I don't know. My snacking is like not, it's recently gotten healthy, but. We don't want to hear about the healthy snacks. Well, some people might, but. I know. I'll do both. Yeah. So my unhealthy snacks are like hot Cheetos. What is up with that? (laughs) Better made, sweet. (laughs) It's something in hot Cheetos because the last, (laughs) like, four people have said hot Cheetos. And you all are like. Not like, but you all are geniuses, like brilliant people. And you just eat like, oh, when I was studying, I loved hot Cheetos, but I didn't like that I had like the powder on my fingers. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I love eating hot Cheetos. Yeah, hot Cheetos. Wow. But the better made. Um, I like the the sweet barbecue. Yes. Yes. But are we all from Detroit? Yeah, us in this room. I don't no, know. No, no. The, the people that <laughs> answered the hot Cheetos. Um... 
yes and no. One person is not, but she's been in Detroit for like the past six years. Okay. I'm just that was just my own personal question. <laughs> just my wondering. own personal research. I'm saying. Um so then so how do you do and then some healthy snacks that I like. Mm. I like popcorn and I hate popcorn. nuts. What kind of nuts? Pistachios, <laughs> almonds, cashews. <laughs> We've got someone giggling in the peanut gallery over here. Not the peanut gallery. The peanut gallery. That's you. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but we are supposed to eat nuts and seeds every day. I know it's, it's funny. It's kind of like being a bird. But they have like nutrients that our brain, it's, it's good brain food. Okay. So trail mix or even like eating a kind bar. I have a dirty mind, so that's like hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, that just like eating seeds and nuts. <laughs> you get a bird. Like, I don't know. My thoughts went elsewhere, but I understood, but my mind is like, girl, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So fruit, fruits in there, and then also water. Oh my God. So this, it was a guy in my boot camp. <laughs> Shout out to Derek. He's my man. <laughs> he was like, one thing he kept emphasizing is he was like, when Steve Jobs thought of his most innovative things, all he ate was like fruit. It's like majority of his diet was fruit. And I'm like, I don't know. A lot of fruit can mess up with your like insulin production. But I understand. He probably had a different type of healthcare system than I had. So, but I get it. But it's funny that you said fruit and I was like one of your healthier choices. Yeah. For the snacks. That's sweet. Thank you so much for being here, sharing all your wonderful things inside your brain. Like, you're just radiating things out. People are going to intake this and be like, wow, I can do this. She showed me the way. And um, where can people find you? Oh, people can find me in Detroit. <laughs> I'm always here. Always. I really love my city and I don't leave. That's one of my... You didn't ask me um, what was my secret for success. I wanna, oh, you want to answer I that? for that question. Yes, we can... Look, we can answer. What questions would you like to answer? Okay, just, just that <laughs> one. Because that's the only one that I thought about. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's the last question. Um, uh, well, so, we can... We can you, so, what are your secrets to success? So, this is... A, Couple gems, couple gems. Yeah. <laughs> um, the bell is ready. In no particular order, so I'll, I'll just continue that thought I just had. So, I stay in Detroit. Um, I love to travel. I do travel a lot. Mm. However, I'm always in my city. Yes. Like I'm here, and because of that, I have a pretty strong like com- sense of community here. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I know a lot of people. I know what's going on. So people know that about me. That was like, hey, you know what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, because. It's like I never, I, I left for school, yeah. and then when I lived in Flint for that year, but it's like I've been here, and um, that's one of my secrets. So I know it's always cool to move to that shiny new city. I love Chicago, don't get me wrong, but sometimes Ooh. it is very adventure, <laughs> adventure well, advantageous for yourself mm-hmm. to stay put, to stay, stay. put. Stay put. <laughs> Build that information bank. Build. Don't take your talents to South Beach. Exactly. Well, you can go to South Beach. Go get, to visit. Expand your talents. Strengthen your talents. But come back and give those talents back to where 
like somebody that poured into you. You know, if you take, take, take from a well, you know, nobody's filling it back up. Mm-hmm. It's going to go dry. Right. So when you stay and you, you know, put that work in back in that home piece, you know, that works. That's, yes. that is a big thing. Like with me too, I, when I look for jobs in tech, I notice it's more opportunities. Like I'm in Texas and this is and that. And mm-hmm. I, I hear a lot of people that want to leave, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I kind of want to work. I want to be a part of the small tech community here. Like, yep. I want to build this up to be the next Silicon or better than the Silicon Valley. Like right. this city is a hub for engineers. So we have a lot of possibilities here. Yes. You just have to uncover them and create those opportunities. And I think it's like a land of opportunity. Like I want to stop saying opportunity, but like, there's a lot of room for creativity in this like city. Yeah, and the nice thing about Detroit is we have a lot of room. Period. Period. It's a big city, like land wise. Mm-hmm. So you know we don't we're not all stacked on each other. There's, people, there's room for everybody. That's the one thing I don't like about other cities, especially like you brought up Chicago. I was like, I get it, but I'm like I can't have like five people living on top of me, like. Oh, yeah. I have my own driveway, a big backyard, a big front yard. Yes. Like New York, amazing. Lots of things to do because everybody's there. <laughs> like, yes. New York's population equals like majority of the square states. Yes. So it's just weird. I don't know. I love how Detroit both give us like that urban but yet spacious like rule feel all at the same it's not super rule but it's like you don't have that tightness of an overpopulated city but you still get city feels mm-hmm. still get city vibes i i yes stay yeah. but stay. but staying staying put gives you the time to actually put some roots down and i think that's really important um it doesn't have to be detroit but just like picking a place to live and kind of resisting that sensational like gotta move here everybody's moving there Mm -hmm. everybody's not moving there some people are moving there and they're not it's not working like and they're not they're not actually making anything happen they're just there yeah so you know it's kind of like don't just follow the crowd or the people that move from the city to move to another city to do the same thing but it's just another city yeah (laughs) so um that's one secret i would say um let's see Another one, um, definitely focusing on your spiritual spirituality, mm, your yes. spirit, what's going on inside of you. Um, I am Christian, so um, my relationship with God has been on this really, really, really interesting, amazing journey uh, <laughs> recently um, because I've just been having some breakthroughs. And I'm like, whoa, I feel it. Shout I out actually, to breakthroughs. I actually feel it. So a lot of people have been kind of watching my glow up, and they might attribute it to me working in tech. They might attribute it to, you know, making money or something like that. It's like, no, I'm putting in that spiritual work. I'm like, I feel like it's you. It's it's (laughs) my spirit (laughs) and my relationship with God. (laughs) All that other stuff comes after. Yeah, shout out to Minister Matt, too. Like, I've been seeing him glow up with his spiritual life, and it's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Shout out to you, Matt. He was my second guest, I think. Was he? Yeah, I don't know. I can't count. But, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So that's another secret. And then my third secret is dancing. I believe in dancing. I dance at home a lot mm. in my living room when I'm cleaning. I go out with my friends dancing. Um, doesn't always mean get drunk and go dancing, but dance. Yeah. 
Do the hustle. That's it's a good date to go on sometimes. You can salsa dance. I want to do research on that. I do African dance. Oh, where? Um, I do African dance at Namdi's with Sadie. It's, oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's traditional Senegalese dance and Afrobeat. Oh, you got to take me there. Mm-hmm. It's Tuesdays from 630 to 8. But there's uh, there's such a cool African dance scene in Detroit. Um, there's a there's probably 10 classes a week that you could rotate through and try all different types of dance and different levels. Um, so, yeah, we have a really cool, just, you know, Detroit's so black, so we got... I feel it just, like it just rolls I into like very African at the same time. And you heard it here first, but I want to see a mashup of like African dance, like traditional African dance and jitting. Like, I don't know why I want to see that. Like, <laughs> I just want to see those two come together mm-hmm. and create something. Like, even if it means like jitting to Afro beats or something, I don't know. Because like jit music is usually fast mm-hmm. or what they call ghetto tech is or ghetto techno or whatever they call it is usually fast but a lot of a lot of it deals with like the drum drumming sound so yeah, yeah that's i want to also do want to do research on like how women in stem fields like correlate to dancing because a lot of women that i've talked to or are very successful in their careers and have a lot of confidence and assurance in themselves, have a passion for dancing. and That's definitely me. I'm yeah, in that category. It's, I love to dance. It's so interesting. Like, Mae Jemison put on a whole production her senior year of college, and she was at Cornell. And, like, wow. look at her now. Mm-hmm. And it's that connection. I just want to, like, when I grew up, I was in dance school. And look at me now. I'm an engineer. And it's just... I just want to see, like, what's the actual data behind that. Yeah, you should definitely look into that because it will help you understand yourself better Mm. or maybe, you know, explore that, do some programming. Right. Maybe with with Detroit Black Tech, we should be doing more dancing. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. But I I really... 20 minutes of moving your body around. Even if if it's just at home, just dance. Move your body. (laughs) That's a, that's the best secret. Yeah, because like a lot of times it can make you feel better, or it's another way to express yourself. And I mean, some people will be like, "I can't dance," and I'm like, "You can't." But that's, <laughs> 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 that's why I'm giving this recommendation to just do it at home. <laughs> Building your Even, privacy of your own home. Yeah, because there there is no right way to do it, but I just think that there's something to it. So I highly. And if you do like to dance, just, you know, maybe you did it when you were younger, mm. just getting back to it and maybe pursuing different kinds of dance. I do want to get more into like a little bit. I know it's kind of an old person thing to do, kind of a <laughs> ballroom dancing. No, it's not. It's cool. Like Every line time, dancing, that's that's still big. Yeah, I know. And I feel like it's growing. Just like but, skating. Mm-hmm, skating. Skating and like me, I constantly when I listen to music, I always think of like choreography. I make choreography in my mind. Not that I can do any of it, but I like I envision it. Yeah, it's, that's interesting to me. I and think about all the things going on in your brain when you're abstractly choreographing something. Like, <laughs> like that's that's awesome. I can be driving and listen to a song and just make up a whole dance. Not yeah. that anybody else will ever see it, but me and God. But we saw that was a performance. That's awesome. So yeah, that's that's my third one. Dance. I like that. 
I'm going to start asking people what questions would you like to answer? Because I do give a long list of questions, but I'm not going to ask all of them. Mm-hmm. So I want to give people the opportunity to answer the questions that they want to answer. So tell people where they can find you so they can learn more about you. Okay, so I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Renee Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N. Um, I have an Instagram account that's all about my journey of becoming Ghanaian. Because I am going to become a dual citizen. <laughs> um, and so you can follow that journey on Instagram, becoming underscore Ghanaian. It's nice. <laughs> Honestly. Thank you. The fits be hitting. I'm trying to work on that content and getting it together. Um, you got on a nice fit today. I like thank you. It. My future sister-in-law made this for me. What? Yeah, she sews. Wow. I'm missing out. <laughs> Like, I have sisters, but they don't tell me things. My mom is a seamstress. But oh, so you're not missing out. You're I'm not really missing out. My mom fake is... Fake complaints. A, yeah. <laughs> first world problems. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no. No. My sister not does stuff, out. but my mom does, like, make quilts and all types of stuff, and she's a nurse. It's weird. She does a lot. Um, and then if anyone just wants to email me, ReneeHudson.tech at Gmail. Wow. Um, if you have a question, look, this is anything. I want you to repeat that for the ones in the back who didn't listen. She said, if you want to email her, this is an opportunity. <laughs> Renee Hudson dot tech at gmail dot com. Gems. <laughs> I will respond. So um, thank you for being here. This thank is amazing. You. Um, shout out to us, shout out to all black women, shout out to everybody black, <laughs> we're rooting for you. Um, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be after convention, so that was lit. I know we're going to meet our goal of 15,000 people, we got 14,000 registered when yeah. I re- recorded this. Wow. So, you know, we're about to blacken up Detroit a little bit more for four days. Um, a big accomplishment for me. I planned this for like a year, so this is like Yay. a moment of like, wow, what I've been doing for a year is like happening. So if you see us, you know, there'll be a lot more black engineers downtown Detroit. So if you're, well, you'll probably see us. And uh, thank you. Have a good night. <laughs>